Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And we had a rough start today. This is what take four <laughs> of the introduction. Five? Yeah, no, four. Four, I think. Oh, uh, it's oh, it's never taken time. us that much. I don't even I, think our first episode we ever did took this nope. that long to do an intro. Nope, it did not. But it's got to happen sooner or later. Get all the bugs out of the system. Maybe this is it for the, for the rest of the year. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so... Today is Current Events Monday, where we break down current events from a biblical perspective, Um, this being a biblical worldview show, after all. There have been a lot of things happening on the world stage as of late, and some rather large groups of people have some things to say. So we're going to hear from them and uh, figure out whether they're right or wrong, and uh, then... I have a theological wrap-up for the end, and my wrap-up is titled, When Rulers Take Counsel Together Against the Lord. And you can kind of guess where that's going. So, we have a lot to get through today. Big, big show, big, big topic, um, lots to discuss. But before we get into all that, we have to do what we always do, and that's our verse of the week. And as we always say, you know, we were kind of, Jake and I, discussing this at the beginning of the show one of us picks the show verse, and it's usually it's usually me. Sometimes it's Jake, back and forth, right? Um, based on what we think works well with the topic at hand. Um, but also sometimes we go off the cuff and we're like, you know what? I think this would be really good to talk about. This is a good verse to cover. So, um, so today's passage, I the reason Jake and I were debating back and forth is because I selected the end of Psalm 2, which we covered the middle of Psalm 2. Last week and sometime last year, we covered the beginning of Psalm 2. And Jake's like, ah, why are we, you know, focusing on the same thing over and over again? Uh, Let's branch out a little bit. Like, we can find other verses that repeat the same theme. And he's totally right, which is why we usually do that. Um, But uh, today, I selected this because I, and this is my point I was trying to make to Jacob as well, is if you walk away from our show, you listen to us for a few months, Then you find somebody else. It happens. We get it. We don't want it to happen, but we get it. It happens. Um, It's unthinkable. Unthinkable. It's unimaginable. But, you know, sometimes the unthinkable does occur. So, and you walk away from the show and you're listening to somebody else or whatever. We want the one thing that you walk away from to be Psalm 2. In my mind, this is the anthem of the Bible. This is the gospel incarnate. Christ is. But... If you were to sum this up in text form, it's Psalm 2. And so I, the reason I've been stressing on it so much and focusing on it in my wrap-ups, but then also, you know, raising my hands for it to be part of the first of the week, so many weeks, (laughs) is because I'm kind of hoping it subliminally sinks in. And before you know it, you have this whole passage memorized. And if you can memorize the the theme uh, of the Bible... If you can memorize this passage that gets you going, that gives you hope, that says, no, the fools that are taking counsel against the Lord and against his anointed are being laughed at by God. If you can memorize that, then I think we stand a better chance. So those are my reasons. Um, but Jake is obviously always, you know, up to uh, pull in some of his reasons and 
we can debate that. Might be good to have, you know, a bit of a uh, battle of the verses, if you will, on another discussion topic where we bring in like, oh, I think this pulls in this theme really well and that ties in because of this context and all those sorts of things. So it'll be less of a battle and more of a, actually, here's an interesting other verse that talks about this theme sort of deal. I don't know. It's a cool topic. Um, so today's passage is Psalm 2, 10 through 12. And it says, Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 2, 10 through 12. This is a warning to kings. It's a warning to rulers. And it's a warning of a very specific kind. Because this is a warning that doesn't just apply to a specific nation or a specific group of people or even a specific time period. This is a warning to all kings everywhere for all time, all rulers everywhere for all time. And the warning is this, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. This is a you reap what you sow warning. This is a honor your king and serve him or suffer the consequences, right? This is a be someone who loves the law of God as a ruler over your people or recognize that you're heading for the drain as a culture if you don't, right? And so this is a warning, but it's also a passage of hope because, and this is something, every psalm has this turnaround. It's, it's you know, despair, stuff is happening. Oh my goodness, maybe it's up and down. But always there's this spot where it says, but, but God, <laughs> right? But, but God in his wisdom is above that. And at the end it says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's, there's blessing, there's hope, there's a peace, there's, there's the opposite of what we see at the beginning of Psalm 2. So we'll be discussing this passage throughout the rest of this week. Jakey's going to break it down on Wednesday, and then we are, uh, I'm also going to address this in my wrap-up, but um, so stay tuned for, for the rest of this week. All right, so let's move into our current events for today. Um, Jake, we are talking about, jog my memory again, we're talking about a couple of different things, but really centered around one specific uh, uh, it's, issue. It's pretty one much issue. one thing. Um, okay. So it's, it's a big thing. Like, I, I go through a lot of different articles. I think this is one of the first weeks. Um, I, I think I've had weeks before, but I've pulled in five different articles for this week, and I've gone through each of them, and it's basically my entire current events is really, and I wanted to say this and point this out as kind of a disclaimer coming out, um, uh, coming first, um, the fact that this kind of this week or this episode is going to just be my my reactions, my split second reactions to these um, articles and basically my thought process. Right when I first read through the article, um, and the basically what you're seeing here is I reacted to these articles and I wrote them down, and so you're kind of going to get that in, in a sense, but in our normal show fashion and and how I line things up. But it's basically, I'm just going to be going through 
each article and discussing kind of what it talks about, even though it's one coherent thing. I'm not going to be stopping, starting. It's going to be one whole thing. So to begin, uh, it's it's been a while, right? And without further stalling, I will mention what we're speaking about. But it has been a while since we have mentioned Hamas and Israel and that whole conflict. And since the elections is the biggest point out of the week, I figured I would give people a break um, from that. Because I know probably the majority of shows or, or news shows that people listen to are going to be talking about the elections, especially since there was a recent um, debate that happened. And so that's probably all that the news is talking about. So I figured, yeah, people need a break. We need to talk about something different. Uh, and I want to bring that. So Israel, and, and kind of I'm, I'm going to be recapping what, what kind of went down, uh, but Israel retali- is, is wanting to retaliate against Hamas for attacking uh, Israel. How strange. And, and they're, they're formulating, Israel is formulating a plan to go into Gaza and take Hamas down. Like, of course, they, they don't want to just go in there with tanks and destroy everything. You know, they're not Hamas. They're, they're not a terrorist organization. They want to go in there. They want to um, lo- make as less casualties as possible. They don't want casualties. They don't want c- civilians dead, unlike Hamas. So and, and it's it's pretty straightforward. And, you know, you'd be like, okay, they, they came into Israel. They destroyed things. They, they, they killed people. They raped people. They stole and abducted c- civilians. They, I literally, I saw an article where they, they took over 200 people out of Israel and took them into Gaza, mm. stole them. Wow. Um, so, right, Israel retaliating, saying, no, you're not going to be allowed to do that. Stop doing that. Right? That, that would seem a-okay. They're defending themselves. They're, they're going back into Gaza and taking out a terrorist organization. What? Who has an issue with that? Yeah. Uh, nope. Of course, the whole world takes issue with that, apparently. <laughs> Um, which makes no sense. Uh, we all know what Hamas did when they invaded Israel. If not, let me give you a refresher. Again, Hamas, like all terrorist groups, killed, raped, and stole citizens, Israeli citizens. And, and if if you've seen the pictures of what actually happened, they destroyed the city too. Mm. They blew up buildings, destroyed things. Wow. So, again... After such an attack, you you would see it as very logical that Israel defend itself and go after Hamas, right? Uh, to be completely honest, like even if Hamas didn't attack Israel, we should have been trying to take them down, right? Right? We should have already been like, okay, this is a known terrorist organization. We've known this for a little while now. We should have been going after them, right? Um, I mean, I mean, probably I'm, not us, but maybe someone who's close to there, someone whose borders are being yeah, impacted sure, by sure. that. Because we're not the world police, but I could definitely right, see right. Israel continuing that mm-hmm. conflict since they've been at war for, or at, you know, there's yeah. been animosity there for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, as an example, and I know Bruce and I kind of disagree with this, but the world doesn't really, I, at least I, I don't think so. Um, America went into the Middle East. Right to take out the terrorists who attacked America on 9 11, right? right? And which that kind of right. makes sense, right? They attacked us, oh, yeah. so we're 
going in and defending ourselves and making sure that they don't do that to really it, why is it why is this making not making any sense because it's like what we're trying to do is stop them from doing this into the future right we're preventing them from being able to do this to any other country they did it to us so we go in and and make it so they can't do it to anybody else Yep, and really, how is how is the action from Israel any different from what America did? Yeah. So now, uh, in the world court, um, South Africa is bringing genocide charges against Israel. <laughs> genocide wow. is, and I wanted to give a brief definition. Genocide is defined by the article and by the treaty designed by the world um, court as acts committed with intent to destroy in in whole or in part. A national, eth- ethical, racial, or religious group. And I was looking at this definition for a second, and I mean, it seems a little vague. <laughs> to me. So. Uh, how, I mean, how big is in part? In part, exactly. That's what I had an issue with. It's like, like I mean, Germany in the Second World War was a national slash ethnic group. Yeah. But that was but that was fine. Right? Well, then we no, went I mean, in and, and took out well, oh, took out Hitler. Yeah. yeah. And what is that supposed to mean? In part. I can understand saying, having in the definition, um, destroying a large majority, if not all, of the people. Right? So if you take out three, four, three quarters, that's a large majority. So that would be considered genocide, maybe. Right? But that really depends, I, I would say. Because if the entire nation is corrupt and they're actually killing people. Well, and I think part of that should involve who is it that you're killing? Are you killing the children? Are you killing non-military yeah. combatants? Right, right. You know, um, Citizens, civilians. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, it, I, I found this, this, this definition a little weird. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah. But I, I wanted to add to this. Um, and you know, to add to this, Israel is not trying to kill or wipe out Gaza, right? They're not in, in any way, shape or form, destroying the whole or the part of Gaza. Maybe you can consider Hamas a part. They're, they're, they're going after Hamas, not Gaza. Yeah. Uh, Again, I don't, I don't think organization and its leaders and its mm-hmm. members, yeah. but not the people who are victims of the terrorists, people who right. are, you know, just living there. Steve Dace yeah. does bring up the interesting point that, well, Hamas has been a thing for a while now, and they control that whole city. Like, why are you still living there? But, you know, family connections, I get it. But still, I yeah. mean, I don't know yeah. about you, but I would have found a way to and move And we may out of we there. may talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think this is another instance where the definition is so vague, right? And that's intentional to where if anybody steps out of line the way that they don't like, boom, they, they catch you for anything. You know, it's like they, they make this, this definition and they hope that it passes under the radar and you don't realize that it's super, super vague and that you doing anything, they can catch you on it just because they don't like you that day. I mean, to be honest, that's what they did with Trump. We we talked about this kind of last week a little bit. Um, 
However, um, personally, I think that the definition is worded a little weird. Maybe Agreed. if you got into it, you could prove a few things like, well, part doesn't actually mean this. Part actually means this. I'm like, how, do, how are we supposed to know that? Right. But moving Clarify. away from the definition. <laughs> yeah. Moving away from the definition of genocide, America joins the conflict by supporting and backing the world court. But just because they are backing the world court doesn't mean they agree with its decisions. Is that what they said? Yeah. How yeah. does that make any sense? Why are you backing it then? Yeah. Uh, Justin Trudeau stated that <sighs> Canada is, and I, wanted, I should have point out, pointed out that that's America's defense. That's, that's the, the, the feds, the federal government, saying uh, in America, eh, we, back the, we back and support the world's court. But, but that doesn't mean we support. That doesn't, well, no, that doesn't oh, mean that we agree with it. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, we back that it it's an entity that exists uh-huh. and we're okay with that, but we don't agree with this decision or maybe we didn't even say that, but yeah, sort of, sort of something like that. Uh, we don't agree with South America, South Africa bringing this up. Oh, good. Um, did they actually? Did we actually say that? We we did, and Canada says that. Wow. However, I I don't agree. I don't I don't think that that's actually true. Knowing America yeah. and knowing Canada. Um, but Justin Trudeau stated that Canada is doing the same thing that America is doing in backing the world court, but disagreeing with it. So we are not only the one, we're not only the ones that I uh, think this, this is a little strange to be saying this, but um, because a conservative leader, it the article just said conservative leader, so I, I just... I didn't know how to quite put that because I didn't understand what they meant by conservative leader. However, that's what they had. So that's what I'm going to put. Criticized Trudeau um, about his statements. And I think his point is quite accurate. Um, He said, and and he he moved on from it. Let me me just give you the the quote of what this guy said. Um, He said, we don't even need to accuse Hamas of genocide. Because they admit that they are a genocidal enterprise, <laughs> so he's moving on to a a different oh topic. But he's making ah, the we, statement we don't need to that accuse them of genocide. They already say they are. So you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't like, think that what? that's quite what he was saying. Okay, he's like <laughs> we don't we don't need to 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 like you know bring them up on char- on charges oh, or anything because we, we already know it. they are. It's like I see. It's like, we don't need to, yeah, yeah, I I think, but now that you're saying that, I wonder if that's what the article was actually talking about it, because it, it didn't go, <laughs> go into detail on that one. But again, this that that was my reaction to this thing. It's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I liked what he had to say a little bit. Yeah. Um, Israel is attacking a group who do not even hide the fact that they are evil, right? That they're going after a terrorist, a, a genocidal enterprise. Moss says they are in the business of committing genocide. Case closed. Hamas needs to be punished and brought to justice. That yeah. should be the obvious case. And hey, guess what? Israel is already doing that. <laughs> in addition yeah. to this, Hamas is not only hiding the fact that they are... you, um, And added, added to this, Hamas is not hiding another thing. 
they're also not hiding the fact that they are intentionally using the Palestinian people as a human meat shield. They've said this. Yeah. This is what they're doing. Another article states that Hamas has a goal and a plan, and they are using the people of Gaza as a weapon. Um, let, me, let me give you a quote from the article. The vicious nature of the attack and the evidence of Hamas using use of civilians as human shields can only lead to one conclusion. Hamas is not engaging this strategy regardless of the cost to its own people, but at their intentional sacrifice. Uh, that was a quote taken from Toronto, uh, a Toronto human rights group uh, that went into Israel and Palestine to figure out what was happening. The strategy Hamas is very much uh, the the strategy has sorry the strategy that Hamas has is very much about the opinion and perception of the world. They don't need physical weapons when they can just sway the minds of people against Israel. Uh, the article con- continues on uh, with another quote. Uh, the goal is to cause Israel to react to Hamas's actions in such a way that the re- resulting uh, inevitable civilian deaths would turn international opinion against Israel. Yep. Uh, for example, Bruce brought up before, which this article also mentions, the example of a major hospital in Gaza being used as a literal bomb shield for Hamas. The terrorist group had one of its essential bases of operation under a, a major hospital. So if Israel wanted to take Hamas out, they would need to go through countless Palestinian civilians. So I think I think I'll end there. Um, but I wanted to also mention the fact that it's working, that what Hamas is doing has actually swayed people. Uh, the last article I have is London had to send... 1,700 police officers out to quell a pro-Palestinian, um, which isn't pro-Palestinian, but pro-Hamas, um, hmm. uh, riot. And we could go over so many other cases in which people, uh, there are people high up in positions that support Hamas. Wow. <sighs> the, uh, yeah, so I, I think I'll end there, hand it off to Bruce, because I know he's got some stuff to talk about, and he's getting low on time. So sorry about taking so much, no, so much time that's, there. That's fine. No, this is this is great. You're right on time. Um, yeah, it's it's insane what's what's happening, and I think there is a there's a theological answer to this, um, and so I hope to present that to you now. So. Um, I've titled this theological wrap up when the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, which is an obvious quote from one of our favorite, you know, passages, one of our favorite, uh, you know, things to read on the show all the time, uh, quote, the Kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. Psalm two, two through three. The Bible warns us many times that rulers will amass, they'll first amass power to themselves. Secondly, then, after they've done that, they will band together against their Lord and King. In this is pride. It's pride, arrogance, self, selfishness, and a lust for power that derives this progression from bad to worse. <clears throat> God created humans to be creatures that work together, and they work together well in groups and 
with other people to and desire the fellowship of others. And, but like all things, sin has touched that too. Sin has touched this desire for us to work together with others. And it's touched the ability for us to work together with others. One of God's initial commands was for us to spread out humans, to spread out, multiply, take dominion of the earth. Later, as biblical history unfolds, we find God setting up Israel into a nation of tribes. We see distinct borders drawn, and we see civil governments structured in fashions purposed towards the mitigation of tyranny. We learn that smaller and more localized governments are to be preferred over larger ones, and that rulers should come from the people they govern. These same rulers are also to know the law of God inside and out. Centralization, therefore, of power goes directly against almost everything the Bible says is wise and good for civil leadership and structure. Does that make sense? Based on everything we know about biblical history, the unfolding of biblical history, the centralization of power goes directly contrary to almost everything the Bible says is wise and good for civil leadership and structure. This is why their end is always a burning pile of rubble, no matter the supposed starting motivations. The perennial arrogance of man. Quote, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Obadiah 1, 3. Post-fall, in any culture, community, or nation, problems will arise. No dir. There will be poor people, sickness, accidents, fiscal issues, and all sorts of calamities. However, the question which quickly should arise is, whose task is it to handle each of these problems? The biblical answer is, it depends. Most problems in a Christianized society can be remedied by the family and the church. Poverty and sickness are both things the families first, then the church should be taken care of. The rest is left to the cultural volunteering, right? To people volunteering for things. Think volunteer fire departments and the like. When biblically defined crimes have been committed, the civil government is then granted permission to punish the evildoer and officiate restitution for the righteous. It is when this system is not followed that major problems occur. Here we go. Unfortunately, it is not often that this system is employed because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Men given civil governmental power often become infatuated by bearing the sword and begin to lose their previously held sense of wisdom. When this occurs, they will do anything to maintain and expand their power to satiate their ever-growing taste for control. Once this process is kicked off, a domino-like set of problems falls one after the other. First, they begin arguing for additional responsibilities to be passed to them. We can help educate your children, build your roads, build your cities, build your houses, care for your sick, etc. Next, they take more and more money to fund all those extraneous excuses for power. Finally, people become dependent on this tyranny. They forget that they once lived without it and think such notions utterly absurd. This is how tyranny takes hold. This is how the arrogance of man destroys a nation. This is what happened to every nation on earth thus far, and it is a perennial problem that Christians should be vigilant to stand against. Unfortunately, American Christians have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. 
Getting them to stand against it today is like asking a heroin addict to fight a crusade against the drug dealers in his city. <clears throat> Quote, like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Proverbs 25, 26. The World Court, United Nations, World Economic Forum, and the Tower of Babel. Centralization of any form, not done with Christ at the center, is evil and will only lead to tyranny and corruption. Globally, centralized governments are ticking time bombs of oppression just waiting to go off. If there can be no neutrality in regular, regular-sized civil governments, how in the world could one 50 to 60 times as big be any different? Every existing centralization project today, think the WEF, the UN, and the World Court, are projects doomed to end the same way their predecessor did, the Tower of Babel. Quote, the purpose of the Babel project was to bring families and nations together under one power center. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Genesis 11.4. It's important to realize that there was a diversity of governments that were involved in the project. Family units, distinct governing regions, and actual nations, a total of 70. End quote. Gary DeMar, God and Government, Volume 1, page 43. Like the Tower of Babel, centralized governmental powers might start off benefiting the people that live under them, but they very quickly devolve into tyranny and oppression. When man thinks he's better than God, sorrow and grief are usually right around the corner. The invariable end of all these projects. Quote, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Obadiah 1, 3 through 4. Rome fell, the British Empire fell, and the Tower of Babel was utterly abandoned. Centralized, tyrannical dictatorships don't get to thrive forever. God brings all arrogant fools the fruits of their labors. Quote, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16.5 The size of the institution doesn't matter to God. Not even despotic organizations like the UN or the WEF are allowed to continue their arrogance forever. They will reap what they sow. In the end, no matter how much they try to deny it, Christ is king. They may plot together and scheme to throw off God's laws, but their end will be unpleasant, to say the least. God sits in the heavens and laughs at their insanity and foolishness. God laughs at the UN, and he laughs at the WEF. They will one day learn that he has set his king on the holy hill of Zion, and they will regret not heeding the warning. Quote, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 2, 10 through 11. Thank you all for listening or watching. Uh, we hope this was informative. And uh, don't forget to leave a comment thanking Jake for all his hard research. Thank you very much, Jacob. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we break down the next three chapters. I believe it's three chapters in the book Mere Christendom by Pastor Douglas Wilson. And you can find those chapters, the chapters we're going to be reading. You can find those on our calendar on any of our social media pages. Follow us at TRD Show anywhere you're on social media, pretty much anywhere. 
Thanks again, and we're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday. And until then, remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.